Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. These pounds, no. Welcome to the first episode of Sheologians for 2019. Yay! Woo-hoo. Imagine like little things happening. Pew 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 pew. Whatever. I don't do sound effects. This isn't cross politic. You guys get out of here. Well, and guys are better at sound effects. Yeah. I think that's just the thing. Everyone knows that. I mean, anyway. I'm sure it's not a. It's not for. I mean, I'm sure there's some ladies that are really good at it, but it's a in 2019. You have to say no. that. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I just ran from the other room. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Entirely Produced by Joy Sheologians. <laughs> we are here today. I don't even know. We're just to put the her and new year. Year. <laughs> year. 2019. 2019. There's. We're starting it with a bang. Oh, yes. right. I'm Summer. I'm Summer Yeager. <laughs> I'm here with my beautiful co host, Joy. Enjoy. I just want you to know that if I was going to podcast with anybody in 2019, it would still be you. Oh. Well, duh. Hopefully, we just keep going until we're old, <laughs> old, old ladies, so old. which will be here before you know it. Because yes. I don't even know what happened to 2018. Where did 2018 go? My dad told me when I was little, he's always like, every year goes faster and faster. And I was like, okay, dad, it's the summer of second grade and this is taking forever. But it turns out. <laughs> and here we are. That he was, was yesterday. Right. That was yesterday, actually. <laughs> um, and he was right. So yeah. welcome well, to 2019. Tomorrow is 2020. Right. Mm-hmm. <gasps> I loved 2020. 2020. Next year is 2020. Wow. That is crazy sauce. I watched that show growing up. Anyway. <laughs> well, you're right. Um, about all the things you just said. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Joy. Hunter. And, yes, Hunter. And I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Summer. And Summer, I just want you to know that I can't wait to stop recording once a month with you yes. because we're busy. and Yes. Um, Get and back then, to the Because it also means that we don't get to see each other right and so that means that our prep time is basically just us talking about our lives to right. each other instead of <laughs> prepping up. our show yep <laughs> like listen all i have to tell you the last four weeks of my life right now <laughs> right and somehow we do it yeah. if you i'm sure some of you won't be surprised at all yeah that we could cover a month's worth eric in one hour <laughs> i know what you're thinking <laughs> <laughs> um but i yeah i'm excited to get back to a more regular recording schedule and uh, especially excited because we, um, for whatever reason, had to kind of look forward mm-hmm. a little bit more mm-hmm. towards the end of this year to come up with ideas that we wanted to Talk tackle about. in yeah. 2019. Mm-hmm. And I'm super, I think we came up with some really cool stuff. Yes. And so I'm excited. I'm very excited. You guys are going to be excited. Yes. And it's all starting today. It's right now. It's all starting today. There was a moment when I was prepping for this interview where I was like, well, this is the last episode of Sheologians because... What else is there to do after right. this? I don't know. Our yeah. work here is done, but it's not done. But um, this is this is so exciting. If you guys have been listening to us since last year, um, our guest today really doesn't need a ton of introduction because we have been bugging you 
to read her latest book, Love Thy Body, since it came out last year. And it has turned into a bit of a textbook for us, I would say. Oh, yeah. Um, I draw from it as if it were a textbook. You guys can all just stop asking me which book I recommend because it's Love Thy Body. Love Thy Body. Just read it. Um, And uh, if you have not bought and read the book yet, I think in about 30 minutes, you're going to be buying now with one click on Amazon. I would encourage you to do that. Um, so even though she needs almost no introduction, I'm going to tell you anyway, just to make sure you find her. (laughs) Um, Nancy Piercy is the author of Total Truth, Finding Truth, Saving Leonardo, The Soul of Science, and most recently, Love Thy Body. Uh, she has been a visiting scholar at Biola University's Tories Honor Institute. She's been a professor of worldview studies at Cairn University and a Francis A. Schaefer Scholar at the World Journalism Institute. Right now, she's Professor of Apologetics and Scholar-in-Residence, no big deal, at Houston Baptist University, also a fellow at the Discovery Institute Center for Science and Culture, and the editor-at-large of the Piercy Report. She's not busy. Is that all? That's all. (laughs) She's not busy at all, you guys. (laughs) Just, you know, Scholar-in-Residence. being a Scholar-in-Residence. Yes. (laughs) And she has graciously decided to join us today. Nancy Piercy, welcome to our show. We are so glad to have you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So Joy and I have been talking about Christianity and culture on our podcast for a little over two years now. And Love Thy Body has in a lot of ways given us that kind of piece that we were missing. So it's been our contention that... Um, the word of God and his design for us is best. And that while the, the secular worldview speaks a lot about um, love and kindness and empathy, their worldview not only cannot account for things like love, kindness, and empathy, but their worldview offers a very fractured and unloving view of humanity. So when we first started reading Love Thy Body, your explanation of what personhood theory is really helped clarify exactly what the dividing line is between a holistic Judeo-Christian worldview is regarding ourselves and what the secular worldview is. So before we get to specifically ask you questions surrounding transgenderism, would you briefly explain for us what personhood theory is? Yeah, I'm glad to hear that you were already on that track before reading the book. That's pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, it was really, it was interesting because we were talking about it and then we talked about it forever it seemed and that's yeah kind of just at a we're recording at apology Studios, so that's kind of just what we do we just talk and talk and talk about current <laughs> stuff yeah and then we read uh summer and i read love thy body and i was like this is these are all the like smart words this to is, explain yeah. this. <laughs> this is the smart way to say what we've been trying to say right. and it's better yeah. so thank you <laughs> Yeah, I'm really, I'm really impressed that you are already moving in that direction. Uh, I, when I wrote Love Their Body, one of my goals was to get past the negative stereotypes that are tossed at Christians today. You're hateful, you're bigoted. In fact, I would say people today are not really asking, is Christianity true? Mm-hmm. They're asking, why are Christians such bigots? And what I want to do is turn the tables and show that, in fact, the secular view, a kind of Uh, what I call secular liberalism, is itself actually a deeply dehumanizing ethos, and that it undermines human dignity and destroys human rights. And you're right, it all hinges on the concept of personhood. And I have found the easiest way to explain it is to just jump in with an example. 
the easiest one is to take abortion. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about the fragmented view of the human person, um, most professional bioethicists today agree that life begins at conception. Ordinary people don't realize that, but professional bioethicists say life begins at conception. The evidence from science and genetics, DNA, is just too strong to deny it. But their attitude is summed up in a, uh, a recent article that was titled, So What If Abortion Ends Life? Mm. So what these bioethicists are saying is that merely being human is not enough to qualify for legal protection, that the fetus has to earn the right to life by, by becoming a person, which is defined usually in terms of mental abilities, a certain level of cognitive functioning, self-awareness, and so on. But look at the implication of that. It's saying that as long as the fetus is merely, quote unquote, merely biologically human, it is is really nothing more than a disposable piece of matter. It can be killed for any reason or no reason. It can be used for research and experiment. It can be uh, tinkered with genetically, uh, picked through for sellable body parts, as Planned Parenthood does, and then tossed out with the other medical waste. So being human is no longer enough for human rights. And this is actually called personhood theory. And what it means is that the human being has been split into two different parts. On the one hand is what we know about the human scientifically, right? biologically, physiologically, it's a, it, genetically, it's a human being. But it's not, it does not have any value. It not, it's not a legally, legally a person until it achieves a certain level of cognitive functioning. And so that's why I say it's very fragmented. It's, it implies that the human being can be considered in these two extremely different ways, uh, where being human is not enough for rights. You have to achieve personhood. Right. Right. And so when it comes to the... Uh, so abortion is the kind of obvious example, but we kind of see that same split uh, when we listen to trans activists because they will essentially argue that there is a split. There's no connection necessarily between one's body and one's gender, I guess they would say gender identity. So they make this distinction between your biological sex and your so-called gender. So I mean, as Christians, we know that you're born, you're either male or female, and there's a purpose to that. It's not right. meaningless. There's a purpose. But I'm I'm not convinced that we are really great at explaining why our biological sex is so important and what it has to do with us. So can you help us think through how we can talk about the importance of gender and why that matters? Yeah, you're absolutely right that the... the um fractured view of the human being is very evident in the arguments for transgenderism and, and it's denigrating of the body, of, of merely being human. It's easier to see because the transgender activists actually argue explicitly that gender has nothing to do with biological sex. There's a BBC documentary that says at the heart of the debate is the idea that your mind can be at war with your body. Mm. And in that, in that war, it's the mind that wins. So as a result, children all the way down to kindergarten are being told that their body tells them nothing about who they are. It's not part of their authentic self. 
I like to read what the intellectuals are saying because that's what filters down eventually. Yeah. So there is a book by a Princeton University professor defending transgenderism. I think it's the first philosophical book doing that. Um, But what was fascinating is that in the process of defending transgenderism, the author admitted that it involves self-division, disconnect, self-estrangement, self-alienation. Those were the words that she used. And how that you're defending it? Wait a minute. You're acknowledging that it it involves this fractured, self-alienating view of the human person. And then uh, there's another quote from the book. She said... um, the physical body uh, tells us nothing at all. It has no meaning. It, it, it's not part of our authentic self. Mm. And I thought, this is what's being taught to young people when they're being taught, like I said, all the way down to kindergarten, that your body does not give you any clues to who you are. You know, you may be physically a boy, but that does not mean you're really a boy or a girl. Uh, it, it's only your feelings that count. And to which, I, to which I think Christians should be answering, why accept? such an extreme devaluation of the body. I recently read an interview with a 14-year-old girl who had lived as a trans boy for three years Mm. from age 11 and then reclaimed her identity as a girl. And she said, the turning point came when I realized, and this is a quote, when I realized it's not conversion therapy to learn to love your body. this interview came out after my book had already gone to press. So. <laughs> it would have been a great quote for a book titled Love Thy Body. Right. Right. Wow. Um, you sort of mentioned, uh, well, you mentioned that the book that you quoted from was a philosophical uh, response or defense of transgenderism. But I wanted you to talk just a little bit about where personhood theory came from, like where are it's so this thing that we're all believing that even some Christians are accepting, I want to talk about sort of just the origins mm-hmm. of this school of thought. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. I think it's really important to push it back further. And your view of ethics ultimately comes from your view of nature, because the body is part of nature. And so the liberal secular ethic derives from the theory that nature is a product of mindless, purposeless forces, and therefore the body has no intrinsic purpose that we're morally obligated to respect. And the mind is free to use it any way it wants. And that's exactly how homosexuality is, de- uh, homosexuality now, because homosexuality has the same issue. It's also a denigration of the body. Mm-hmm. And the, the, I'm sure you know the outspoken lesbian Camille Paglia. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. I have. I just actually finished reading her newest book. <laughs> oh. Well, I haven't gotten that one yet, but this was an older book and it contained an essay where she acknowledges that nature made us male and female. She has no patience with the idea that it's a social construction. She said, no, no, nature made us male and female. Humans are a sexually reproducing species. But then she asks, and these are her exact words, she says, why not defy nature? Mm. Mm-hmm. After all, fate, not God, has given us this flesh. We have absolute claim to our bodies and may do with them as we see fit. Mm-hmm. So what, what she's saying is if our bodies are products of blind material forces, then they give us no clue to our identity. They, they, don't, tell, they don't impose any 
direction on our moral choices. We can just do with them as we see fit. And that's why Christians need to go go further back to what is the Christian view of nature? Mm -hmm. Nature exhibits a design, Mm -hmm. uh, a plan, an order, a purpose. And when we live in harmony with that purpose, we are healthier and happier. I, I give lots of stories, personal stories, in Love Thy Body. And um, one of them was a young woman named Jean, who lived as a lesbian for several years. And today she is married and has to a man. You have to say that these days. Yes. Married <laughs> to a man and has two children. And listen to how she put it. She says, I finally came to trust that God made me female for a reason. And I wanted to honor my body by living in accord with the Creator's design. Mm. And I think that's the way we need to approach it with people. We want, we want to live in harmony with the, creator, with the Creator's design. Mm. You know, our mind and emotions in tune with our body, respecting our biological sex. And it's a Christian view of nature that ultimately gives the, basi- the basis for that. Absolutely. It's so true. And the... Um... It's it's a uh, you know we we've talked to Rosaria Butterfield about um, identity and homosexuality and and how to you know love those who are essentially at war with their bodies um, when it comes to same sex attraction and I think that's really going to be um, I think it's going to be important that we learn how to talk to people about that and um, that really is the foundation I think is that that we believe there's a purpose in our bodies and that kind of separates us. It doesn't kind of, it totally separates us um, from that movement. But so back to the transgender issue, it's so it's the transgender movement is it's moving so fast. I think it's moving at a speed that none of us were really ready for. I think the Obergefell decision in 2015 kind of really sped up this conversation. But at the same time, I think that, Um, feminism especially intersectional feminism is also growing and this obviously presents a problem to both movements because the transgender movement has to argue that gender is a social construct but the feminist movement really relies on there being a specific and fixed female gender how do you think the the transgender movement and the feminist movement will have to relate to each other given all of that Yeah, it's fascinating. There's a group called Hands Across the Aisle, and it's a very unlikely uh, coming together of conservative Christian women and radical leftist socialist feminists on the issue of transgenderism, because it's fascinating. Uh, If you go to the Heritage Foundation and look up Hands Across the Aisle, they had a panel, um, two two conservative Christian women and two very liberal um, leftist feminists. And the feminist, one of the feminists um, said, I never dreamed I would be at the Heritage Foundation. <laughs> <laughs> right. But this is fascinating. I'm, I'm, a, I, I'm part of this group now. I've been invited to join them. And it's been really interesting to see the feminists who are concerned about the fact that um, transgenderism is essential. It's essentially saying there's nothing that is distinctively female about women right you know that that we we cannot we cannot legally protect any category of people if we cannot define that category right and we can no longer define that category if it's not ultimately rooted in your biology being biologically female right there was a time there are transsexuals today who will say um 
no, I'm not a woman. I'm a trans woman, and there is a difference. Um, and they actually support feminists on this. Mm. But the vast majority of transgender people now are no longer saying, I identify, if you're a male-bodied transgender person, you don't say, I identify as a woman. Nowadays, they say, I am a woman. Mm. And as you may know, um, there are feminists who have, have been kicked off Twitter for simply saying, this transgender person is a man, not a woman. Yeah. And Twitter has kicked them off. Mm-hmm. So it's become a thought crime now just to say a male-bodied person who's transgender is a man still. Right. That's become a, you know, a punishable offense. Yeah. So it's, you're absolutely right. This is a divide between feminists and, trans, and, and the transgender movement. And I find it fascinating that Feminist women are now astonished that their works are published in conservative and Christian outlets and liberal outlets are shutting them down and not publishing their work and not giving them a platform. It's Christians who are who are actually reaching out to them. And, and that has been um, I hope that that will be a good a good experience for these very, very secular liberal. Right. feminists Yeah. To be accepted and welcomed by Christians. Yeah kind of a big it is a big hand across the aisle actually yeah and you know I we do I appreciate Camille Paglia in a lot of ways um she's very unique and and you know her if her presuppositions are true then what she is saying is right now we know her presuppositions are not true (laughs) um but I do um I appreciate kind of where she's going with that but anyway so this is my last question. I don't know if Joy has another one for you, but this is the one that um, if I was just talking to you one-on-one, this is what I would ask you. Um, because, you know, so like I mentioned, one of the things that we really enjoyed about Love Thy Body was your your insistence that it is a biblical worldview that offers the most holistic, kind, and loving functional worldview. But the, you know, the we're out there. I'm on social media. I'm talking to people. I'm writing. And the pushback I get, and I think the the prevailing notion that's out there is that Christians, you know, because we don't support transgenderism and because we don't support homosexual marriage, that we're unkind and we're unloving and we're hateful. And so there is a way, I think, you know, in which we should expect that the world is going to hate us because Jesus said that they would. But on the other hand, like, I also think that sometimes we can really fall flat when it's time to express and explain exactly why it is that our worldview offers hope and healing to people who are sexually broken. So what would you say is one of the most important foundations Christians need to have in order to engage with the transgender movement or with um, the homosexuality topic in a way that is bold and that is loving? Yeah, you know, what I found rather surprising myself is when I talk to non-Christians, the argument that they find most persuasive is actually the link between transgenderism and the environment, the environmental movement. Uh, what, what we have learned from the environmental movement is that to avoid pollution and ecological disasters, we need to respect the structure of nature. When we intervene, we must work with the natural order that we may not do as we see fit, to use Camille Paglia's words, when, uh, when it comes to the environment. You know, we all know that. And so in the same way, 
what Christians are saying is that we should respect our own biological nature, that the correspondence between male and female is not some evolutionary accident. It's part of the original creation that God pronounced very good. That's and is this, to me, um, I, I suppose it's because most people know that most people are environmentalists, or at least they know they should be. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's a it's the virtual virtue signaling position to take, but they have my secular friends have said, okay, that makes sense. I get that. Mm-hmm. I get that in terms of the arguments against transgenderism. When they say, when I say, you, we are calling people to respect their own biology, just like we should respect the tree out there or the river. You know, not dump our garbage in the river. You know, or we we should respect this forest and the trees. They say, oh yeah, that makes sense to me. So. I think, in fact, um, the the harder thing sometimes is helping Christians to see. <laughs> uh, when, you know, if it's part of the original creation, that that it is very good. Right. Um, this is I, the pushback I get is often actually from Christians who say, "Well, here's how here's how one of my students put it." Um, she said, "Growing up in the church, I was always taught." Spirit good, body bad. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That was actually, that was going to be my, yeah. our that, final question of the interview was right. how, like, aren't Christians a little fractured in this way? Uh, like, our bodies don't matter because we're really our soul. And the body is just like a tent that we cast aside at the end of our life. Well, good. Good. I'm glad we're moving in the same direction. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, and... And people say, well, you know, there's, there's a reason we have words like puritanical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, it's true. <laughs> well, so, but, sorry, we go have, ahead. We have to help people realize that we many Christians have lost touch with their own heritage. Uh, and before the interview, we were talking about the, the early church and uh, born into an ancient Greek and Roman culture that also devalued the material world, just like modern secularism does, although for very different reasons. Um, Philosophies like Platonism and Gnosticism treated this world as the world of uh, evil and corruption. They talked about the body as the prison house of the soul and defined salvation as escaping from the body. Mm -hmm. Uh, It even taught that the world was created by a low-level deity, an evil god, because no self-respecting God would get his hands dirty mucking about with matter. Mm. So in this historical context, Christianity was nothing short of revolutionary. It said the material world was created not by an evil God, but by the the, the supreme deity who was a good God, Mm. and therefore it is intrinsically good. Uh, The greater scandal at that time was the incarnation, the idea that the same supreme deity had actually himself entered into the material world and taken on a physical body. So the incarnation is the ultimate affirmation of the dignity of the human body. And when Jesus was executed on a Roman cross, we might say he did escape the physical world as Gnosticism taught we should aspire to do. But what did he do then? You know, he, he came back yeah. in a physical mm. body. Uh, the, the idea of the resurrection of the body was... Uh, Utter foolishness to the Greeks, as Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians. And finally, at the end of time, what is God going to do? He's not going to scrap the material world as if he made a mistake the first time around. He's going to renew it and restore it. 
and create a new heavens and a new earth. And so uh, the Apostles' Creed affirms the resurrection of the body. What we have to help Christians recover is the understanding that this is an astonishingly high view of the physical realm. There is nothing like it in any other religion or philosophy. Amen. It's so true. Yes. (laughs) You guys, if you haven't read Love Thy Body, now you know why we have been bugging you about it. Yes, just (laughs) read it. Because it is, it's so, um, it is so important that we, we understand that God is, he's not a God of rules without reasons, that there's a purpose for all of his creation and that living in accord with how he's created us is going to be the most happy and fulfilling that we can be. Um, so Nancy Piercy, thank you for coming on our show and talking to us about this. We're so excited, um, we're just so excited to share this with our listeners and we're going to kick off 2019 with a bang talking about these issues and we just really appreciate you. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me to be on your show. Oh, I mean, anytime you want, really. (laughs) Anytime you want to come on, just let us know. (laughs) I know you're not busy or anything. (laughs) All right, Nancy. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And we look forward to talking to you again sometime. Thanks for having me. Uh, Bye-bye. Um, that was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> I can't believe I can't believe we got Nancy Percy on the show. Yeah. She, I was I was planning on getting to thank her in eternity at some point. I know. <laughs> for her work. Yeah. <laughs> um so I'm glad that it happened before that. <laughs> yeah, we uh we've been wanting well, we've been wanting to talk about transgender yeah. issues. issues. And when we decided we want to talk about that, right? We wanted. I really did have her name, yeah. like with question marks next to it, right. for a long like, time. We didn't really want to cover it unless if it was could, with her. I think we didn't. We agree we wouldn't talk yeah. about it if we could. I mean, get there her on are the times show. where I'm sure we could have used, yeah, used a topic. Uh-huh. We wouldn't have had to think right. so hard, right? But we just wanted to wait. Yeah. Well, and I think too that um, even if you just kind of if you have your finger on the pulse of like cultural movement. Yeah. There's a lot right now that really is talking about how this is going to be like the seminal year for the transgender movement. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just think that having someone who can bring us back to such foundational issues and who can so like graciously address those things is so important. And I just hope that, I hope that we can learn how to have these conversations because we're going to have to have them. Like it's yeah. not going to be optional. Yeah. Like we're going to have to be prepared. I have a friend um, in my Bible study back home um, who's in med school and I gave her the book because like, you know, it, she was entering the week where they were going to be as med students talking about transgenderism. And it was just like, she was nervous because it was going to be, you know, doctors now like they're encouraged to just go ahead and, and which is so crazy because they, their profession is mm-hmm. literally biology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they are, they deal in the physical I know. Yeah. world. It's a really big deal right now. So um, anyway, I hope that blessed you guys. Yeah. And um, I'm sure, well, and at least I'm sure. And I hope that that's not the last time. We uh, that Nancy Piercy graces us with. Uh, I know her presence on Sheologians. We just got to talk with her off air, and it was mm-hmm. such a blessing. And yeah. 
But I wanted to tell you guys, um, we are kicking off something next week that is very exciting too. So it's technically a round two of something we've done before. Mm-hmm. But um, we're just, we're so excited about this year. We're super amped and could not have kicked it off better. And we hope that the conversation we had today will kind of help bring us into the conversation we want to start next week. So we hope that you guys tune in. Um, and uh, if you enjoyed this interview, please head over to patreon.com slash If you partner with us there, you get early release episodes, you get Patreon only videos. And without your support, we simply couldn't be doing what we're doing. So True. please consider partnering with us to continue making Nancy Piercy <laughs> interviews happen. <laughs> Maybe not Even that one. Even if you, you just know. want us to continue so, so that we can harp on you to read the best books <laughs> yeah you're welcome and every once in a while you'll know that's kind of our way what for about three to four months uh, we will just recommend one, one book, book. <laughs> now i think love thy body has broke the record it's yeah been longer it's than, been a than consistent three to four recommendation months, i had a, I have, one of my friends is saying we should do like a sheologians book club and i'm thinking about I thought it about do you think i that's... thought about that too like yeah. we all kind of read a, a book, book together, together and discuss it yeah. is that do people still do that should we do that we could you I guys think that would be know. totally us let us know if you want a book club just comment and let us know or you can call our voicemail number which is 470-465-0475 i think and you can leave us a voicemail if that's let us wrong know. listen to another episode yeah <laughs> and um we'll say it there it's listed on our facebook page okay well yeah and i think that would be really interesting i actually had someone um uh one of our friends mm-hmm. uh hit me up and say what's a book that i what <laughs> i was gonna say spell their names i know who it is. spell their name secretly <laughs> i'll whisper <laughs> why it's because i hang out with kids all day who can't spell. it was actually it was stephanie soda beer it's okay. not really a secret okay. uh shout out to steph um we love you wow. and uh but so she was like she was like you what book can i read to help me with critical thinking because that's something that i talk about a lot mm-hmm. and i was like love thy body yes. great book for critical thinking yes any book that that where someone else who's smarter than you walks mm-hmm. through it for you yeah and you get to think about it mm-hmm. with their guidance yeah that's it recommend yeah you need that in your Mm -hmm. life absolutely so anyway you guys um please like and share this episode if it was helpful for you i think it's going to be incredibly helpful that we keep having these discussions and don't forget to tune in next week because it's going to be awesome and we'll see you then see ya bye